We are doing the Walking Your Purpose Part 2. So, you know, that might be a frightening thing considering we did Part 1 and I told people, you know, you might want to skip next Sunday because we're doing Part 2 and some are, just saying. <laughs> Took me up on it. All right, here we are, Labor Day weekend, uh, 2023, and Discovering Purpose. And what God does with that, what we look for in that. One of the areas where, if, if you have a Christian conference, and this was really true back when I was with uh, the Navigators, a parachurch organization, we'd put together a conference for uh, typically working with military or uh, college students. And that, the theme of how to find God's will, sort of what's your purpose kind of thing, was the most attended of workshops. So people just curious, want to know, they show up for that. There are a lot of resources, a lot of books written on this, uh, finding what, uh, well, just a secular one, what color is your parachute if you're trying to find out, okay, what job would be right for me. There are a lot of Christian personality sort of inventory kind of things to help people narrow down what would it be what's your purpose where do you fit in what what kind of thing should you do and what I want to talk about is not those things so this is really going to be a bummer those things have uh, even the Christian ones the those inventories are made around what do you like what are the things you're drawn to and that will tell you what you what God designed you to be and I'm going to stand up here and tell you bull not it there's a place for those things and it is it it does tie into who you are and what God has designed you for but that is not your purpose and you have um, more to you than maybe even you've thought. And so those decisions about, okay, where should I go based on an inventory that says, here's, I like this more than that, or I'm kind of wired this way, or this is the family I came from, or this is my experience and the jobs I've had, so that's how this fits. Uh, again, there's a place for those, but when we're talking about God's purpose, and you're walking in God's purpose, it's going to be different. So I have something I have to do up here. Let me do this. It'll take just a minute as we compile this. So many things to do to get things ready. All these elements in life that we that we are involved in, the things that we, we do... Uh, across the board that make, uh, fill our lives, fill our time, fill our activities. And, and in our mind, we think, well, you know, this is whatever I'm doing, if I'm making money or going to school, uh, that's pretty much it. may not be totally fulfilled or happy, but, you know, this has got to be it. And, and, and if God has a grander design, he's going to have to come along and show me because I need to be, you know, make more money or be a bigger deal or have more trophies or something. So we come up with all sorts of 
things related to that. This is a super, super moist cake mix vanilla Betty Crocker. Okay, now you know. It requires certain kinds of things or elements. There are a variety of chemicals in here, flour, uh, sodium chloride, salt, sugar, eggs. I'll put those in there. Put some eggs, got to throw that in. And said add water. I don't know why it doesn't have milk, but there you go. I'm just following instructions. Okay, so that, that all goes in there. We'll mix this thing up. And all of those elements represent something in, 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 our, in our lives, in our, in our decision-making. You know, what, what are the elements that have made you who you are? The home you were born into, the parents you had, the uh, time in which you were born, the decades that you grew up in, the input that you had educationally, the things you were interested in along the way. And you go, okay, all those, all those things have played a part, and therefore that is, you know, now that I'm a Christian, I just Christianize all of that. I just add Jesus at the end of every line on my resume, and that's a Christian thing. And we mix it, and we get this thing, no lumps. Okay, get this looking good. Move that out of the way. And we're putting together the ultimate cake. So we'll put that in there. Ooh, mix, mix, mix. That didn't mix so well. Sometimes you can, you can actually use a mixer, I guess, with these things. All right. I even put a mat up here to protect the table, but it didn't really work. Okay. So we get all that stuff mixed together. We've got the elements in here. We've got a variety of things that tie, tie this, these things together, and they will interact with each other, making a cake. So this is going to be, like, awesome. All right. That is really awful. Somebody spilled. Okay. And there you go. Anybody want to eat? It's, we got like, what, three birthdays tomorrow, another one the next day? Come on. Cake. What is missing? Energy. Without heat, you can't make this cake. It won't finish the process. It won't complete. It won't be that delightful. It's a little runny, so it's not even cookie dough kind of stuff that people will eat. What do we do when we come to purpose? We add more flour. We add more salt, maybe more sugar. We add more eggs, maybe more milk add milk in this case just add milk we have so many things that we just want to throw into our lives 
And we go find those bits and pieces. I'm going to go to a, a conference. I'm going to read a book. I'm going to tell everybody to pray for me so that I can get my elements up. What if you add a whole bunch more eggs to this or a whole bunch more salt? Then the ratios are different. Has it improved? So you add all of these different things, spend all the time on all these elements going, I just want to know what God wants me to do, so I'm going to do more of it. And I'm going to do more of it at church. I'm going to add more church. I'm going to add more hours of work. I'm going to add more, and we just add more and add more, or take away. There's sometimes things we're taking away. If you take away, you still don't have a cake. You add more, you still don't have this cake. And it's still, the issue is, it ain't cooked. What is it for us in our spiritual life? And, and we're trying to find God's purpose. We were made in creation. We have a description of God taking a lump of clay, just elements, and making a human being. We're told that that individual returns to the earth at some point. Dust to dust, ashes to ashes. These chemicals that make up a human being, uh, primarily oxygen, 65%, carbon, 18%. We got some uh, phosphorus, manganese, magnesium, copper. You, you throw some other things in, into the chemical mix. When that's all valued, it comes out to about $600. So $600 for you, the whole body. Just uh, read uh, yesterday um, about a billionaire musician who passed away. Anybody know Margaritaville? And we have a millionaire musician passes away at 76. How much of all that he owns does he take with him? Not even the $600 body. None of it. So we make it all about all the elements. How can I get more of this one or that element? until I have enough and the thing that's missing there's no energy God made a human being takes the clay puts it together breathes life so we have a body a soul and a spirit the immaterial part that God breathes into a human being making them alive we're told in First Thessalonians that we are to uh, be brought together and, and that God is at work and Jesus is at work in us to build us, and to, to put together in us and bring us complete and whole body, soul, and spirit. Body, soul, and spirit. Material, immaterial. The physical and non-physical. And in First Corinthians 15, we're told that he is going to change. He's going to transform the physical body and into a spiritual 
body, one day a resurrected body where all of these different things will come together as they should and God has designed since way back. I'm going to put all those things together. But we have a spiritual body. In that is contained our memories, all of them. In that is contained our personality, the one that God intended, the one that was unmarred, the reality that is ours in Christ exists in our immaterial self. I don't know if you realize it, but the material self, kind of like this, is just not going anywhere. It stays behind. We have been sold a bill of goods, thinking the most important thing, even as Christians, is to make sure that all of the physical, the material, all of those things, we check all the boxes, that we are successful, that we have climbed the top of every mountain with that, and yet without energy, without the transforming power of the living God, without a change in our hearts, without a redirection in our minds, we are... $600 worth of chemicals. $600 worth of chemicals that just go nowhere. God has intended for us to listen to him, to focus on those things which are valuable and lasting. Colossians 3 tells us, keep our minds set on the things of heaven. And immediately in our material earthly mind, we go, well, I just can't do that because I'm busy. I got projects. I got work. I got important things to do. To think about heaven would be, for me, a waste of time. Not even considering for a moment, how long is this life? How long is the next? What is the thing that God has accomplished on our behalf with Jesus Death, burial, resurrection, he said, you're not going to be the same. That we can live a life today in the power that raised Jesus from the dead. We can live that life today. But we don't because we are sufficient, happy to just find more elements, more salt, more flour, more eggs, and just keep adding. And there's no energy. There's no heat. There's no opportunity for the spirit, the immaterial, to be at work in such a way that it actually gets done and accomplishes its purpose. We are called by God to be something so amazingly unique. We are called to be something really unique. He calls the people of Israel out of Egypt. They're in slavery they're under the bondage of the people of Israel, um, people of Egypt. But it's not just the people of Egypt. There are gods. And Yahweh is saying, well, we've got to overcome this. We've got to change this dynamic. We've got to move away from those gods and let you know, I am the God that you worship. I am the God who has protected you as a, as a people on the, on the planet because I have something else I want you to be and do eventually helping all the other people recognize the one true God. So he brings them out. He offers them spiritual help, miraculous things. We read it 
we read it in Exodus, and we read it as, as the story unfolds uh, of Moses leading the people out and the miraculous thing that happened in, in Egypt, the Red Sea crossing, the provision in the desert. Forty years, even in their rebellion, God takes care of them. They come up to the border of Israel, cross the Jordan River, and, and at that moment, Joshua has he's now in charge Moses has passed away and he's in charge of the people he's got to get them safely into the land that God has promised them he is a military leader political leader he is taking charge of this thing and he has concerns he's a little bit worried he goes over to check it out so he's looking at Jericho and in that moment someone appears captain of the Lord's army. He is now in the presence of one from out there. So here's a spiritual reality. When he says, are you on their side or on our side? And he says, neither. Because he's the captain of the Lord's army. He's representing the one true God. It's Jesus in a pre-incarnate state, but he has just uh, let him know. Uh, this thing happens because it's about the power of God. It's about the purposes of God. It's about what God wants to do in the lives of the people of Israel at that point. And Joshua falls on his face and, and worships. That's how you know this isn't just a standard angel because those angels say, don't, don't worship me. In this case, this is the Lord showing up. He's just been brought in and, and he's explaining to him, you know, you can walk around the city and then the walls are going to fall in. That's your strategy there, Mr. General. Let's go do that. Well, how do you do those kind of things if the only thing you look as at is I just need to know if my army's bigger than our army, if I have better weapons and supply lines than they do. Now we need the energy. We need the power of God. We need something that is immaterial. That breath of God breathed into us gave us life. We're here. Jesus comes along and offers us a second birth, a second life, an eternal life. He breathes that into us. We become something different. We can be something different. We can live something different. Because everyone who comes to know him, 2 Corinthians 5.20 tells us that he, he comes in and, and we are now made into to become new people, new creations, new creations in Christ. Not the same. Then why is it I keep going back to the same things? Why is it I just keep adding more flour? And I like salt, so I keep adding more salt. I love eggs. I add more eggs. And there's no energy. There's no power. Nothing's really done. It just continues on being the same thing again and again and again. God has made us for a purpose. And it is to understand that he is God. Commandment number one, have no other gods before me. Why would he say something like that if there weren't other gods that could be before him? The American answer to that in our scientific age is to say, well, it's just whatever you like. You know, it can be a hobby, your job, it can be sin, it can be 
addictions. It can go whatever it is that replaces the important place God has. No, no, there are other gods, powers, forces that are trying to deceive and to destroy you. And they love it when all you do is look at these things and go, I just need to know I had some more elements. There really is nothing out there. There's nothing more to all of this. I just need, I just need more of this. He said, no, there's, there's reality. I have no other God. No other gods at all. Just me. Well, what if we, uh, we want to make an image so we can you know, worship? Problem with images? In the mindset of the people from before us is that you make the image and the gods small g gods or demons, will move in. They move into those little gods, and if they have it, inhabit one of them, then you can manipulate them by bringing them gifts, sacrificing, uh, sacrifices of some sort, sometimes your own children. You make sacrifices to them. You pray. You ask for their guidance. You ask for their help. And this has gone on for millennia. Why would people go with that? Because they're just stupid. They're pre-scientific. They just don't know. Exactly. Because it works. It works. They got answers. Now, the demons can't be everywhere. Those small G gods can't be everywhere at once. They're just in one locale. But they happen to be in one location and able to fill that, that um, whatever the image or the temple happens to be that they're set up for. And here, once in a while, when they're there, things happen. It's enough. It keeps people all around the world, many places still, worshiping them. So when God says, have no other God, other gods beside me, don't build, don't make images because I'm not coming to inhabit because you would make them and then expect me to show up and be in that thing, and then you want to manipulate me. I will not be manipulated. I will not be manipulated. We need to know that because we also, as Christians, think, well, God, you know, I gave money to church. I showed up. I volunteered for a stack of chairs. You owe me. We do that ourselves. They go, no. No other gods, no images. Don't use my name in vain. The name represents him. His honor, his glory, his position, his power, his name is so important. You do not waste his name. And people use it and they claim Jesus has to do this for me or God owes me for that. I prayed in his name and now he, he will not be manipulated. He will not be used. He gave those instructions to the people of Israel, not because he doesn't exist or it doesn't matter, but because it, that's number one, two, and three, because it does matter, because he does exist. There are other spiritual powers around us, and they are a problem. We are to be here to destroy them, and we do that by honoring the one true God and living for him. Christ died for us to set us free from the power of darkness that wants to drag us down. 
set us free from the power of darkness so that we could live in the light. We could experience the newness that's possible in him, in the living God. He wants to take us to such heights that we can't possibly imagine them, even in this life, before we ever get to the next one, to get through some things that would really uh, press us. We read through First Peter 3, and he's saying, even if you've done nothing wrong, in fact, you're doing something good, you're doing things right, and you suffer because somebody turns on you, you're going to be blessed. Well, I'd rather not be blessed and miss out on the suffering. He says, fine, you can have it your way. You want to live in the life that Jesus has for you, there may be suffering. He pretty much promises that. He does not promise you a comfortable life. If you've got that, and it continues, you may want to look at the source. It may not be him. Because if you're walking in the light, you're walking in the truth, Tough things are going to come along, just like they did for Jesus, just like they did for his people, and the more that they try to walk God's way. What's our purpose? We honor him. We live in such a way that we are being transformed in character. When we say we're going to live in holiness, that doesn't mean Sister Bertha better than you. It means we are walking in agreement with the living God with his truth, with his assessment, with his judgments of things and how they matter, how you handle society, what you see around you and how you react to that. Typically, it's knee-jerk based on however you came up with your own feelings, whatever sins you are okay with. Typically, reflect, are reflected in what judgments come out of your mouth or sit in your heart. And he's saying, I'm not interested in yours. I want to know if you're getting mine. I don't want you to pray, God, bless me in my pursuits. He wants us to find out what he would have us do. And we're already blessed because we're doing what he said. If we're obedient, he says, I will love you. You know, no, I'd rather just make up my own mind. I want to just this job, this house, this marriage, this whatever direction we come up with. He's going, really? If you go my direction, if you go my way, then my favor rests on you because you've already decided to go with me. There is no other better way. He's offering us to live a spiritual life in this life. The purpose that we have is to live that life fully, to be transformed by the renewing of our mind, Romans 12. We are to be so transformed that in, in the things that we face in life and relationships, we no longer have to be short-tempered. We don't have to be hot. We don't have to hold back forgiveness from others. We're transformed by the living God. Forgiveness is just built in. Does that mean we just don't care? No, we care so deeply that the love of God, which we're supposed to have, is flowing through us. The Holy Spirit comes into our hearts, Romans 5, and explodes and spreads through us. And then it starts to eke out in the things we say and the things that we're involved in. The light 
that shines from us will be blinding for those in the darkness. They won't understand much of what we talk about because it is so distant. And we're told by some Christians that in order to really identify with those who are in darkness, we need to live close to the darkness. We need to be out there on the edge of darkness. Tell me when Jesus got on the edge of darkness to participate in the things of darkness in order to win people out of the darkness. Exactly, never. He never stepped out of the light. Never stepped out of love. Never violated the spiritual reality. He knew God the Father is in the third heaven, sitting on the throne. There are many who have rebelled against him. They are in opposition. They are operating out of the second heaven, some of them on the earth, and some of them under the earth in the place of the dead. And those are in operation against his people, against you. But if you go through the day and you go, you know, that doesn't really cross my mind because I'm busy. I've got to add more elements. Still no heat. Still no energy. Still no spirit of God. Still not recognizing that the only way this really happens in my life is to understand that there is a cosmic reality of the heavens above, the shortness of life here in the material world, that God is at work in spiritual things, that we are designed, we are spirit and soul. That's where the life is. That continues. After this material thing is done, we continue. Our memories continue. So if you've lived a few years and you go, I don't know, I'm getting close to 50 now. I just can't remember why I went into the kitchen or where my keys are because I'm old. How much will you remember at 500,000 years? You will have forgotten everything about sin and darkness because you will be so glad to be involved in the things God has you involved in, and you and your mind will remember it all. You will know when you walk into the garden to pick some fresh fruit. You will know the face of these incredible people that you're going to meet, the ones that you've known in your lifetime. Abraham, David, Moses, Mary, you're going to know them. And you won't forget their faces. You will have an opportunity to live a spiritual life. This one that gets all the attention and all the work in this lifetime is going away. And pretty quickly. Our purpose, walking in our purpose, is a spiritual reality, walking with the one true God in the ways that he would have us walk. Not toying with how can I mix the world in this or how much world can I get away with. I have moved you from the kingdom of darkness to this kingdom of light. You are now a new creation in Christ. You are no longer bound by those other things. We're told in 
Revelation 3.20, that Jesus is knocking at the door. He's, he's waiting for us to acknowledge him. That is written to Christians. It's often used in evangelism as if non-Christians are hearing this, but that's not the point of Revelation 3. It's written to Christians, it's written to a church. Do you hear Jesus knocking on the door? Many don't because they're so caught up in the things of this world. What other kind of things can I add? What other book can I read? How many more non-believers, how many other gods can I get involved with in this life? And he's saying, no, listen for my knock. And when you answer that door, let me in. And I will come in and we'll sit down together. We'll have a meal together. We'll have a conversation. That means hospitality. That means interaction. That means intimacy. That imagery is all built in to Revelation chapter 3. But see, in our minds, we go, well, that's just, that's just, a, you know, it's just a painting or it's a coloring sheet for, for a Sunday school class for little kids. That doesn't really happen. And I'm here to tell you the resurrected Jesus, because I've met with him, does come in. He will sit down and talk. And yes, he does make a difference, and he wants to do it for everyone. Maybe not always in a resurrected body, but he wants to come meet with each of you. He wants to speak into your heart. He wants you to know that he cares about the things that you're going through. But that your things, your drama, your problems are not the biggest thing on his list. Did you know that? So big. You can't even see him. He says, keep your eyes on heaven. Not the things of the earth. So doing exactly what he says, we've got drama what we're focused on we worry about it all night which is the opposite of meditation on his word i'm going to think on it i'm going to think about what they said i'm going to rerun that while i'm sleeping tonight i'm going to think about that conversation some more i'm going to rerun that and he said how about meditate on my word day and night joshua 1 8 you go how is that possible I don't know, because you can worry night and day. You can run conversations night and day. Your problem is, I can't think on the word. God's word, his truth, his communication to you night and day to see where the solutions are, where he wants to take you as he reveals himself through his, through his written word. And then Jesus wants to come in and actually hang out with you. Speak into your heart. In some fashion, he wants to do that. Really do that. The Holy Spirit is broken free uh, with love in your heart internally so that it, it fills you from one side to the other. So now you are empowered to do what God has called you to do so that you can walk with him in his purpose on this planet. Without these things... Without that reality, without that spiritual setting, without recognizing the powers that exist in the heavens, the ones that are for you and against you here, the ones under the earth who are also uh, creating some problems, without recognizing those things, how could you ever walk in God's purpose for you in this lifetime? 
because you're not even walking in the basics of his truth, revealed truth, revealed reality. How many people have been to a funeral and noticed that if you just put a battery on that person, they'd be fine. They just need a little electric charge, the one in the casket. You go, it doesn't work that way. Why not? Because that immaterial spirit soul is gone. Who gives it? God, why do we not spend more time on that? Because we are so important. We've got to make that batter just so. And God's saying, it won't work. You're missing something huge. You don't have everything you need. Don't keep making a mess. I've come to give you life. Life everlasting. Life that changes everything. Life that brings heaven to earth. Because we're supposed to be praying and living this thing out in such a way that the kingdom is not only just a concept, but a reality that's lived out every day in our lives, in our conversations, in our wants, in our desires, in our dreams. It's coming in and through us so that when we're living this thing out, when we're driving, walking, involved with people in home or at work, or in the doctor's office, or Walmart, wherever we might be, that reality is being lived out. The living God is at work in such a powerful way that anybody we come into contact with is going to recognize that there is a God in heaven, and he is real. And that the enemy is going to find ways to distract, to destroy, and will come after you with everything. Jesus walks around, the demons are screaming. They don't want him there. He walks in and he brings healing and health and help and guidance to people because that reality is there. And we can so quickly turn all that off and we've got a massive failure as we walk away from the very power of God that he wants us to exhibit so that the enemy is destroyed, that those who are opposed to his truth will be found out, so that there might be some who are delivered from darkness and brought into the light just because we're walking with him. I'm not even talking about being full-time evangelists, just walking with him. That's our purpose. We expose others to that reality. We are. You know, 1 Corinthians 11, so this... 1 Corinthians 11 is, has a bunch of difficult things to, to uh, wrestle with, and we, don't, we won't have time for wrestling. But let me give you this one bit of oddity. That, and this is where churches have uh, women wearing doilies or hats or something on their heads. You are to have a head covering. Females are to have head coverings. You know, that's just weird. The follow-up statement to that is, because of the angels. Okay. Hats on women's heads. Angels, supernatural beings. Some of them are associated with the rebels. Some of them are associated with uh, God's appointed ones who are coming to assist uh, people. But it harkens back to the problem that happened in Genesis chapter 6. Angelic beings, 
divine beings. It's supposed to be helping out with humanity, pointing them to the one true God. They failed to do that. They saw the women. They said, hey, they're having sex down there. think we'll just turn ourselves into human beings. We'll just be men and we'll go take women. They did. That is still an issue, which is why 1 Corinthians 11 includes a little statement. And these are all through the scriptures, little statements, because of the angels. Now, why would that be an issue in your church meeting? When you gather together, there are, there are supernatural beings observing your worship, your attitude when you're driving in, if you're screaming and hollering at each other. Guess who's observing? You've got observers. Now, again, they're not everywhere present, so they may not be on every car ride, but they can be in a bunch of them. And they're keeping record. Those who are excited about the Lord and relationship with Jesus talking about him Malachi 3.16 says the angels take record they note our names go down they go hey Lord look they were talking about you they're thankful for you for what you've done or Lord they're complaining They're, they're just whining about it all over again here's their name the other side is also keeping record and they know wow they complain a lot they fight a lot they have no gratitude they are not content in what the god of heaven is providing they're always just absorbed with their drama their thing who said so and such about them or it's just not falling into place the way they thought and somehow Whatever heaven is supposed to be is lost. We are being observed. There are watchers. And a lot of what we are carrying out and how we do it not only is a witness, a testimony to the people around us, it also goes to invisible beings we don't even recognize typically being in the room, being nearby, listening in hearing a phone call, looking at a text, seeing the things that we are so caught up in. And here's this God in heaven offering a life that is so transformed, so unique, that he wants to come alongside, just like the people of Israel, and walk with us in victory into a place of promise. He wants to help us to live life to the fullest, In his power, not leaving out the energy we need because we can't provide it on our own apart from what God is going to give us through the Holy Spirit, through the truth, the communication he's given us. We're going to operate in, in our own power and we are very limited and we get really tired and it just takes a few hours and we're ready to go to bed again. And here God in heaven is saying, you... If you wait upon the Lord, you will renew your strength. You will mount up with wings like eagles. You'll run, I get tired, you'll walk, you'll not faint. You go, nah, more flower. And he's waiting for those who want to wait. 
You want to walk in his purpose. It begins as a spiritual purpose, not a physical purpose. Well, Lord, what would, what would you have me do? What job would you have me do? How, how do I decide which college, which car, which person to marry? How, Lord, which, and you're going, you have just jumped way ahead here. How are you going to walk with me? What are you going to do about my communication? Eternal communication. Remember, his word is forever. What are you going to do with that? When will those things be a priority in your life? Then we can talk about some details. But if these things aren't a priority, you're just doing all this on your own to start with. You don't want my input. You just want things your way. Whatever that means to you. God says, do you want to walk in my purpose? You listen to me. You get close to me. James 4 says, if we come near to him, he will come near to us. If we come near to him, he will come near to us. And he says, wash your hands, you sinners. It's in the same, same section. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Why would he put things like that in there? Because the reality is we've got an enemy coming after us. Our tendency is to go do our own thing. And he's saying, stop it. Come near to me. Wash your hands. Get rid of some of that junk. Whatever that junk may be. Get rid of that. Resist the devil because he's coming after you. He's going to try to convince you to do more of the things that get you in trouble. And you miss out on life, living life. Come to me. Come near, come close, come listen, come do what I'm telling you to do, and I will come to you. I will meet you, just like Jesus is knocking at the door, hear his voice, open the door, he will come in, and he will spend time with us. Our purpose is to build that relationship. Our purpose is to live a spiritual life. Not only now, it's never ending, never ending. That's our purpose. Then all those other things can be added. And you can start using some verses where God will give us the desires of our heart. Our twisted, wicked, evil, dark hearts. Hell no! Not it at all! When we fall in love with Him, we're doing what He's called us to do. Yeah. He will give us the desires of our hearts. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being patient, so patient with us. Thank you for your mercy that is poured out on us. Thank you for your grace to give us strength to keep going. Thank you for the Holy Spirit, Lord, gives us love, loves us pours out your love in our hearts. Thank you for Jesus who has come and died and sacrificed himself to make it possible for us to live life fully. Thank you, Lord, that we do have a purpose different than what we may imagine. But we can walk in your purpose in this life and begin to experience what we will see from now on forever and ever. Thank you for being with us right here, right now. If anyone... Lord, is 
looking for answers. You say, just ask you, and you will provide the wisdom that we need. Grant it, Lord. Grant it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.